It's been a long time since I felt peer pressured into binging something, but never have I ever was that thing. You had texted me being like, I'm really enjoying it. And I was like, oh, great. I'm super looking forward to it. And then Alexandra was like, oh, I'm like four episodes in. And I was like, oh my God, I must catch up. And then you texted me again and you had basically finished. Yes, we did not uh, plan on watching the whole thing in one day, but that is what happened. I had also forgotten that it was half hour, so it was, like, pretty easy to burn through. Like, I basically watched it, like, that night and the next day. So, yes. And had a great time. Yeah, I really enjoyed myself. I think this is Mindy Kaling's strongest work that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, we enjoyed Late Night. Oh, yeah. I really liked Late Night. Uh, when you and I went to that, but uh, a little different because it's a movie and I feel like she had a lot more time. I feel like on both projects, she maybe had a lot more time to sit with it. Maybe. I also think it helped that For Never Have I Ever was 10 episodes. I feel like the Mindy Project with like so many seasons and like 22 episodes per season, it was just, there was too much filler. A struggle. Yeah. And at least here, she was really limited in her like Morgan type characters. Yes. This was very grounded for her. Yeah. I thought it was quite grounded and i thought that her tendency to write um exaggerated reflections off of her own personality worked really well in a 15 year old girl less well (laughs) in like a 30 some year old doctor (laughs) so obviously i already know the answer to this but team ben or team paxton oh come on (laughs) (laughs) definitely team ben i guess that's not obvious to our listeners (laughs) It should be obvious to our listeners. But as sweet as Paxton was at by the end, yeah, he is useless to me. Uh, he's also alarmingly old looking because in real life he's 29. Yes. But even when I didn't know he was 29, I was like, he looks so old. He looks like he's a meth habit. Like I was like, this is definitely an old school CW situation. I saw him and I was immediately like, this is an adult. Yes, I was not keyed. I was happy that both Ben and Davey were like 18. Yeah. Um, I did appreciate that apparently they changed. Well, I might have liked it better if he had been written Asian, but I liked that uh, Paxton's biracialness was obvious. Yes. And they did it actually for the actor, which I didn't know until I looked up stuff after, but still, it was nice. Yeah. I loved the show. I cried so much at the end. Yeah. And we can all really agree that the hottest person on the show was Davy's dad. Yes. And the second hottest person on the show is Fabiola's girlfriend. <laughs> you were really taken by Eve. I am really taken by Eve. I can't believe Alex doesn't think she's beautiful. Third hottest would be, what's her face? Her, her, her cousin Kamala's fiance. Yes, betrothed. Are you sure? Do you think Kamala herself is hotter than the fiance? I think he's actually hotter. Interesting. Yeah, although Kamala is also very hot. Kamala is a tight close. It's a close third. <laughs> They're well matched like a pair of beautiful horses. <laughs> it's true. It's like, oh, if you have nothing else in common, then your level of attractiveness is at least on par. Yes, which often matters in this world. It's true. But nothing can touch Davy's dad. When oh he first God. showed up, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> what a shame he's dead, really. I know. It's tragic. I mean, it's tragic anyway, just to be clear. It's very sad when people's parents die, but, you know, it's it's also sad that we don't see him on screen more. Anyway, if you're missing him, 
you can always go watch Heroes or that run on The Office. Anyway, welcome to Rob Comathon. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. And today we're here to talk about the not rom-com, but half of it. Well, it ended up being a little rom com than I even expected. Slightly. But I knew going in that it was more of like a friendship coming of age story than it was a rom-com. Yes, it was a lovely, somewhat stressful watch. <laughs> <laughs> somewhat stressful, huh? Well, you know, I was just like, oh, it's too real. I don't, I don't know how I feel. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no, I feel so seen. And then was like, ugh. Um, But I've been looking forward to this movie since I read the script when it appeared on the blacklist. Oh. um, Like a year ago or like a year and a half ago. I can't remember. This was I think it was after Netflix had actually like or like maybe very shortly before Netflix bought it or I'm not really sure. But um, it was like one of the ones on the list that I had read. And most of the things on the list were actually not great. But this was very good. Yeah, I just know we've been talking about it for quite a while. And then I was like, oh, it's finally dropping. I know. I was like, what a surprise. But when I read it on uh, the blacklist, I it was pretty, it was basically this film, you know, it was very close. Um, they might have cut a few things. But I by the time I finished reading it, I was like, oh, this is not really a romantic comedy. Slightly disappointing coming from the woman who did Saving Face. But all the same, I was very much looking forward to it. And actually, I think on screen, it, it sort of translated better than it did on paper. Yeah. I either didn't realize or had forgotten that you had read the script. So I didn't know that your comments on it not being a rom-com were coming from a place of more authority than mine. (laughs) I found myself like really uncommonly drawn in. For me, there was a part in the middle of the movie where I was like, I am paying full attention. That's big for you. I know. Um, But definitely like the two moments that I cried were with her dad. Oh, okay. I didn't cry. I think there was some distance between me and the film because I You were like, I don't wish to be so drawn into this movie. Well, no, it was just like, I was like, I don't wish to be so close watching myself on screen. That's what I mean. (laughs) Yes. I was like, oh, no. Yes. Like, not only does she a little bit resemble what I looked like in high school, (laughs) but also just things. Yeah, there was a, a little bit at the end that really did remind me of you. The only part that really potently reminded me of me was when she was writing on the mirror with the whiteboard marker at the beginning. Um, Her t-shirt over long sleeve shirt look really reminded me of you. Oh, okay. I'd like to say that I only had one outfit that was like that, which is probably shedding light on how few outfits I had in general at that age. Yes. It was a distinctive look, though. Oh, God. I That made me wonder, though, is this taking place in the present? Well, yes, but the thing about this movie was that, I don't, I'm sure it was done on purpose, was that it had a very, like, sort of old-timey feel to it, even though technically it took place in 2019. Yes, it felt like, maybe because of the clothes, it felt like it might have been out of our high school experience. Yeah, like, it was only the fact that they had smartphones that, you know, we could acknowledge that it was 2019. Yes. Or 2020. Anyway, it was just hard to watch at moments, like, that very specific sort of confused yearning that is so much of being that age. Yeah. And, like, when she finally... I guess you haven't summarized the plot yet, but when she finally goes to a party and people are, like, interested in talking to her and you sort of process that, like, some of her inaccessibility is self-created. 
Yeah. And like when she's in, I think the car, like sitting with the girl and you're like, uh, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Anyway. Shall I summarize the film? Please do. So the people know what the heck we're talking about if they haven't watched it, which they should. Sure. I only, I would like to preface this by saying I only know the main actress's name, uh, Leah Lewis. I don't know what the other ones are called. So I'm gonna call I know them by character. two others. I'm going to call them by character name. So basically, there's uh, in this small town in Washington State, right? Because they're like outside Seattle. Squamish. It seems to be populated full of many white people. And this uh, Chinese girl uh, played by Leah Lewis, who lives with her father, who is the station master for the local train station. Train shows up twice a day. And he is super depressed. He is very depressed. Uh, Her mother passed away like four years ago, four or five years ago, and he has not gotten over it. Um, And to add to the isolation, his English is not good enough or not recognized as being good enough um, by anyone. So he feels like he's pretty useless. He like can't do anything. And Leah Lewis is basically doing everything for him. Also on the side, she has this whole like, like side hustle where she is writing papers for the students in her grade i think she is really undercharging by the way i was gonna say that added to the old timeliness she was charging 20 dollars a paper and matt was like what she could have been making like hundreds of dollars and i didn't understand maybe just like no one has any money in squamish like that i was thinking i was like well they live in a small town so i guess but still i was like 20 bucks for this amount of work come on girl i loved that the teacher by the way totally knew yes That was wonderful. Please continue. Yes. So Leah Lewis, just an incredibly unsentimental person. She has no friends. She's writing these essays and she's prepared to like basically stay in this town forever, go to college locally and and live at home. But in the meantime, her English teacher who totally knows her deal is like, you should really go away to college. It was the best time of my life. So Leah Lewis is also dealing with some repressed sexuality stuff. Uh, We don't know (laughs) if she's gay or, you know, if she's bi or like what she's feeling but she's feeling some feelings for the most popular girl in school, Astor Flores. Played by Alexis Lemire. Oh, yes, Alexis with two X's. We can't get into that here. Go on. (laughs) Um, But, you know, from afar, because God forbid that she ever speak to this girl or anyone Or to another human, yeah. Except the teacher, apparently. Yeah. But one day she gets approached by a uh, school jock, uh, very tall, very sweet, uh, Paul Munsky. Is he very tall? He does seem very tall because I noticed that Leah Lewis is not like really short. Oh, I, I just assumed she was tiny. Yeah. I mean, she looks tiny. I don't really know. Maybe she just feels tiny. Yeah. So Daniel Deemer. He is basically just like a jock dummy. Um, He's so dumb. He's so dumb. He works at his family's sausage shop. Well, butcher shop, I think, but they, they, their claim to fame is that they make these sausages. And they're like next door, right? Yeah, they basically live like next to the station or across from the station. He can see her window. And he approaches her not to write an essay for him, but to actually help him woo Astor Flores via snail mail. Um, because according to him, he can't, he can't write good. (laughs) Um, so essentially. So he's like, please help me. And Leah Lewis is like, 
nah, like, this is your deal. But she's, like, kind of drawn into it despite herself. And then is like, fine, I'll help you, but you have to pay me. Um, And then she does charge, like, $100. And I was like, this isn't an essay. Like, I, I feel like you could, these prices are really, like, like, don't match the level of effort, but okay. Initially, I, I, yeah, totally. Like, I would much rather ghostwrite someone's love letter than their essay. Yeah. Personally, but yeah, no, because initially he offers money and she refuses to do it and then he offers more, but then she kind of gets invested and turns into this whole web of lies. Yes. So she ends up starting a correspondence with Astra Flores, who's actually like very bookish and much more of a deep thinker. And basically she and Leah Lewis sort of <laughs> discover via mail that they actually have a lot in common. They read, they both like to read a lot. They both have pretty good banter going on. I found that Leah Lewis, for a hapless young queer, had really good flirty banter going on. Um, I was like, nice game, girl. Nice game. I think unsurprisingly especially at that age she felt much more comfortable doing that for someone else i felt that totally made sense and through writing yes because like when we do see her interact with astra flora she's like mute yeah she struggles (laughs) in person aloud so obviously this web of lies will eventually come to a head. But first, Paul is, like, really impatient with this whole situation because he's like, when do I get to just, like, take her out and, like, date her? And Leah Luce is like, what do, you, what do you mean by date her? And Paul is like, well, you know, like, take her out for burgers and shakes and fries, which I thought was, like, a 1960s, like, thought process. I, like, didn't really understand this, but okay. She continues to pretend to be Paul, even though I, I don't understand how she quite got away with it because um, Astor Flores and Paul Bunsky do eventually go on a date and he is himself on the date and so inarticulate and somehow they still managed to like pull off the fact that maybe he was nervous the gap between the level of conversation that she's providing via like text message and no but that's the second date no I know but like via text message and letter and his actual personality is enormous yeah it's not like she's made him slightly more articulate it's truly like this could not possibly be the same person no but for some reason i don't know she gets away with it who who knows but sure in the meantime, um, Leah Lewis and Paul Monsky actually become very good friends. Uh, he becomes her only friend, like, and he has this whole thing where his only goal is to, like, sort of change up the sausage recipe at his family's sausage shop. <laughs> and he makes this thing called a taco sausage, and he's, like, desperate to try to get food critics to try it. And she makes fun of him, like, the whole time, but then later he finds out that she's actually been writing to food critics around the area to try to get them to come, which is really sweet. And that was he- so cute. Yeah, and he helps her by sort of being like, you know, you don't have to be so, you know, like standoffish or whatever. And she becomes more vulnerable with him. And they actually have a real friendship going on. And he's very supportive. But of course, eventually it does come out. He does realize that she's actually into Astor Flores and um, has been kind of writing the letters for herself. And like eventually that kind of what it's what it turns into and not for him. And he is upset but then realizes that he still values her as a person and as a friend and comes back around. Leah Lewis, meanwhile, realizes, along with her father, who basically says, you need to leave this town so you don't become like me, she realizes that she can go off to college. And so that is what she does at the end of the film 
Paul is very supportive of her and Astra Flores is going to art school, having also discovered this web of lies and being upset with Leah Lewis, but not really as upset as she could have been. Yes, and she also narrowly escapes getting married. Oh yeah, that's really which, weird. Which we'll get into. So there is a kiss at the end. Um, Leah Lewis's uh, Ellie does kiss Asher, but there's not, like you could really imagine any sort of ending for them, um, but it's very open-ended. It's not necessarily a thing where Aster returns her feelings. But that was more rom-commy than I thought we were even going to get. I didn't realize that we were going to actually get a kiss between them because I was like, is Aster straight? Is she bi? Like, it's not She's going clear. to art school, so she's definitely bi, but. <laughs> well, at the end, she was like, it's not like I never thought about it. So I was like, oh, okay. So there is maybe an actual thing that she's just not. I mean, I think it becomes clear at the end that she must be at least bi because she says, like, if things were different, if I were different. Yeah, I think. Which I feel like implies the kind of social, you know. Yes, but I don't think there's necessarily even reciprocation yeah i don't i don't think there's that necessarily like i think it's just sort of like i've entertained an idea but you know yes it's true i guess like they don't they haven't she also has had no opportunity really to discover uh ellie as she is yeah but honestly you can imagine any kind of ending for them you know like it leaves it very open-ended um i just don't think astra was spending the movie pining for ellie no like, not even a little. Um, I don't think it, like, even crosses her mind until the end. Yeah. When she discovers that Ellie was the one writing her all the letters. Yes. I mean, I feel like they do have a couple of moments of, like, potential connection, but I don't, I can't imagine that it would have crossed Alexis Lemire's mind since she was fully planning to marry her ridiculous high school boyfriend. Yes. Which is weird, by the way, that she is fully with this guy, but also, like, like having on this, like, long correspondence and, like, going on, like, two dates with Paul. She does keep saying, like, I'm so glad we're friends. Yes, that was the thing. I was like, does she know? Like, is she dating him? Is she not dating him? I was very unclear because according to... Ellie and Paul the whole time they were like oh this is like romantic and from Astor's point of view she was like it's so nice to have a friend but what a weird way to make a friend by secret letter I feel like Astor is crazy and by crazy I mean willfully in denial yeah I I don't know the whole deal and why I think she's escaping her current relationship through this vaguely emotionally cheating-y thing yes oh wait but she does kiss Paul because he kisses her like twice that we know of yes and at no point does this seem to indicate that she should break up with what's his face yes what was his name trig yes what is that short for chad (laughs) could remember what is trig short for i don't know please listeners write it oh because i watched like three episodes of outer banks over the weekend i was like i think the guy in there is named trip so well trip is also an actual name is trig a name i don't know Surely it's a nickname, but he seems like a person I wouldn't name Trig, of all things. No, no. That was hopeful of his parents. Optimistic. Anyway, speaking of the vague, not-quite-romance that we start to see near the end between Ellie and Aster, I have a question. Yeah. When they are, like, hanging out in that hot spring, and there's, like, those series of scenes are, like, the only time they really spend a lot of time together in the film. 
Yes, suddenly, like, they run into each other at Paul's house, and Astra is like, let's hang, basically. And that's the that was one of the more stressful moments where I was like, this is a lot. Anyway, more importantly, they go to this hot spring, and I don't understand how that entire sequence is not Leah Lewis struggling with her glasses. Oh my god, I said the same thing. <laughs> In that steamy pool. <laughs> I said the exact same thing to Alex where I was like, I don't understand. Why are her glasses fogging up? How? How? <laughs> the most unrealistic part of this whole film. How? How was she not like just like half blind, like squinting because she had to take those glasses off? You can see the steam like hanging in the air. And even just in terms of production, I don't understand how they did that. But her glasses are like visibly clear and I it just doesn't seem possible. No, no. Anyway, that was my most important thing I had to say about this movie. Thank you for bringing it up because I had the exact same thought. <laughs> I honestly thought you might beat me to that comment because since you actually still wear your glasses all the time, like... How could you not notice that? Especially recently with mask life. But I'm not getting into a lot of hot tubs with my fucking glasses on because of this precise reason. Yes. Anyway, that hot spring looked beautiful, though. Yes, it looked really nice. I guess I, I had the experience of, like, actually not being stressed out by this film because I had already read the script. Yeah. Um, so I knew what was going to come and <laughs> I knew what was going to happen by the end. So I was like fully prepared. But still, I was like, I'm uncomfortable with how much... I'm watching myself on screen. And then Alex actually didn't say anything until like a good third of the movie had passed. And then she was like, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to sound racist. But she really <laughs> reminds me of you. It's not even her like facial appearance. Like you don't look that alike. Uh, it's just the vibe. But I also think... It was, however, the low ponytail. The low ponytail really added to the vibe. I was like, oh, look, it's my one hairstyle from high school. This low ponytail glasses situation. Yes. I think just her whole kind of like wallpapery personality, like her deliberate hiding and just it was all very high school. Yeah, no, for sure. No, there were times where she reminded me of you. So, you know, it was like there were there were shades of both of us there, but and many adolescents, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> there was a bit at the end where she was getting sassy with Aster that really did remind me of you at that age with shiny girls. I don't know, in a way she was like a stronger personality than either of us at that age. Yeah, she was very... Neither of us would ever, by the way, have written essays for money. <laughs> no, but I would have charged more even at that age. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, she, yeah, no, she definitely had a more um, decisive personality, like like a harder front um, than either of us. We had friends. Like, I was very clear to Alex. I was like, look, I had friends at that age. Well, she had a stronger sense of self, I think, in some ways, but like, she used it to kind of keep away from other people. Yeah, she put a wall up. And didn't really, I think, know how to reach past that. And you and I at that age were both really fixated on fitting in. Yeah, as are many kids. Yeah, I so. think it was most teens are. But also, we were lucky enough to go to a much, not an extremely diverse school, but a much more diverse school than she's apparently at. 
Yes. And there were a lot more kids at our school. We lived in a much, much bigger town, so. Yes, it was like personality diverse, not just slightly more, very slightly more racially diverse than Squamish. Um, The thing that we haven't mentioned about her and Paul's friendship is that I didn't even realize the first couple of times this happened, but there's... A bunch of she has like a bike and she's always biking up this hill while like racist classmates drive past her shouting at her yep and it took i had forgotten what her last name was so i didn't even realize what they were doing until like maybe the second or third time it happened and then eventually paul like witnesses this i think for the first time and is like what the fuck Yes, he chases them off. I also enjoyed that sort of like weird side plot of him running to keep up with her bike and then eventually becoming much better at football as a result. Yes. <laughs> and then at the... He's he's so sweet. <laughs> he's lovely. At the beginning, I was like, wow, he's really dumb. But he grew on me. Yeah. Their friendship was extremely, extremely sweet. Did you read Alice Wu's um, director's note? No. She wrote this director's note about how this movie was actually inspired by the fact that she had this incredibly difficult friend breakup with her best male friend when he got together with like, I think like a girlfriend or or whatever. And the girlfriend was very threatened by their intimacy. And so eventually they ended their friendship because he was like, well, you know, and like she was very in her director. So she writes about how she was so confused because she was like, but I'm gay. And and he was like, that's not the point. Like the point is our connection. Oh, interesting. I was going to be like PSA. Straight yes, girls. But C- kind of kind of the ideal female friend if you're feeling yeah, threatened. But I also I, I can see that, you know, like some people really are very possessive over that intimacy and want that specifically with their partner. But for some reason, can't share it with anyone else. OK, but. It's weird. It's weird. It's really weird. (laughs) Friends are good. Yeah. General PSA for people of all sexualities. Yes. Friends are good. Um, It's fine. (laughs) But their friendship was incredibly pure and very touching. I thought it was so sweet. I loved that they were watching a lot of old movies and one of them was The Philadelphia Story. Yes. And one of them was His Girl Friday. Yes, I noticed that as well. And I was like, is that? But then it flashed away too quick. And I was like, I think it was. I felt very sorry for her father, but I was also perplexed as to why his English wasn't better or that he wasn't better understood. I was like, he seems fine. But I felt like that was very real, just kind of the glass ceiling that people like our parents feel in certain environments, especially like corporate environments or professional environments that are more about networking or like less strictly yeah when it comes down to who they want to bring to a meeting i think that the accent thing i think they do feel that yeah i i think so for sure and he was you know and he basically the backstory of her dad was that he was an engineer he had an engineering degree and when he came to the u.s um he wanted to eventually become an engineer for the railroads um and so he decided to start as station master but because of his accent uh he couldn't ever climb that uh ladder 
and get any further. And he can't even really call the electric company. He has to have Ellie do it because uh, he's not, he says like, they don't understand my accent. Um, And so he's like super depressed. Yes. I also felt like some of his stuff was in his head and some of it was real. Me too. Um, But I, he was a lot. Anyway, I cried when Paul came over and Ellie wasn't there and her dad was like telling him all about when his wife died and one day he like came out of his depression and saw Ellie at age 13 down there like working the train thing. But some of it is I think like just the sound of Mandarin can get me in a movie. Oh, I also cried when she came in and and discovered that he was making a bunch of dumplings for her to take for the trip to college, which... By the way, it's Grinnell College that they're talking about. And for fully three quarters of the film, I thought it was Cornell. Oh, no, I knew it was Grinnell because you see it on top of the application. And I, I mean, I know it's Grinnell. I was like, I was like, yes, I've heard of Grinnell. I think I misheard initially when the teacher said it. And so I just went on thinking it was Cornell for like half the film. Oh, do you not think it would have been like in a more efficient and faster trip to get to Iowa if she had perhaps gotten on a bus even? I don't know. Are, are buses faster than trains? I guess it depends how direct the train is. Yeah, I think it depends. But also I think buses run more frequently, but trains make a lot of stops. How long? I mean, but she'd have to change buses, I think. I don't think there'd be a bus straight to Iowa. She would definitely have to change buses, but I think, like, I took a train from D.C. to Boston, and that was, like, all day. Like, I got on at, like, 7 a.m., and I got to Boston at, like, you know, 7 or 8 p.m., and I think the bus would have only taken me eight hours, but I prefer to spend the extra hours on the train rather than the bus. I would like to ask, did you get great joy out of the train metaphor and the amount of train viewing that you got in this? film yes but you know what i really like is like those colonial fancy trains with like fancy train porn like on murder on the orient express like this was like fine but not as good i think our listeners should know that alex loves the trappings of the oppressor she loves tea she loves trains it's a complicated time so complicated um (laughs) but i love like a murder on the orient express kind of train situation (laughs) who doesn't when you see a train like that who wouldn't be like yes she's a special add to that someone someone got murdered so bonus (laughs) she also loves murder but you know that's not necessarily specific to the oppressor Anyway, I did love the train station metaphor. I loved him running after the train at the end because she had been so like, who runs after a train? I was like, oh, it's there, a little rom-com. Weird, because he's so dumb. But he's so stupid. But I like it. He, She could really, you know, use him in her yeah. life. And when she gets to college, she's going to meet so many queer girls. It's going to be so great for this her. Is, this was a touching story about a girl and her first friend, a dog. <laughs> you're not wrong um but truly he was lovely he, he gave a very lovely performance he was occasionally extremely funny yes um i loved when she was reading his initial letter and he had signed it second string tight end football yeah i really hope that on some later trip home when they are both like back for the holidays aster and ellie hook up Yes. Drunkenly. When you were like, you can imagine any ending, I was like, excuse you, I am imagining an ending where three years from now, they are hooking up over the summer. Yeah. Or one year from now, or two years from now, who's to say? I'm open. 
I must say, though, like that big reveal where they were all standing up in church saying their piece was very awkward. I felt that too. I was like, totally, this doesn't seem to feel super right. But also maybe it was because I was like dying from secondhand embarrassment. So like hard to say. I was like, should I rewatch this movie? Just to like get my initial feelings out of the way. But It had like an almost arrested development level comedy quality to it. Where it was like, and now this person's standing. And now this person's standing. And I was like, and all these other people just have no idea what is happening. Why? Why is this how you've chosen? Especially because she was previously so internal yes that i was like no speaking of that i think alice wood did a really good job of show and leah lewis as well of showcasing ellie's like because she is such an internal character like actually being to visualize that yes she gave such a lovely performance i really enjoyed there are a couple of interviews i think where she talks about how she initially brought a more like self-assured version of Ellie to it and Alice had to like really kind of direct her down from that into this more contained person. Uh, Alice Wu knows where it's at. Yes. I was like, I think when you were saying it didn't change that much script-wise, I thought, I was like, oh, it probably helped that she both wrote and directed. Yeah. She really had a clear vision of what she wanted to be. Um, But obviously we look at Ellie and see, you know, Will from Saving Face, right? Like... I was like, oh, Alice Wu is really, like, just reflecting herself on screen. I'm guessing. She has an area. Yeah. Should we talk about some scenes and lines that we liked? My favorite line was when Aster and Ellie are at that hot spring, and Ellie turns around and goes, are these deciduous trees? (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. When Aster starts, like, stripping off her clothes again to the hot spring, and (laughs) Ellie has to, like, gay panic turn around. I totally missed that. My... Oh, no, I'm so sorry. (laughs) She's, like, she's panic all over her face because she's, like, oh, my God, this hot girl ever crashed on us taking her clothes off. And she goes, are these deciduous trees? I definitely loved that part for its, like, rom communist compared to the rest of the film. My favorite line from that scene is, I am a Russian doll of clothing. Yes, I also liked that. Aster is, like, skinny dipping, basically, and Ellie is fully dressed. She has at least two shirts on. Yeah, she didn't even strip down to her bra and underwear, which would have been understandable in this situation. Like, acceptable, this is fine, you don't have to take off all your clothes, but she fully... Like, she was like, she's gonna be very cold when she gets out. It's important that I submerge not having taken off any clothes at all. In terms of Aster and Ellie scenes, I also, I loved the whole vibe when they first start writing to each other. And it's not even really Aster and Ellie because Aster has no idea. But as soon as Aster wrote back and Ellie was kind of like, game on, I was like, this is very stressful. I'm very stressed. But I loved... I just, you just know that this house of lies is going to come collapsing down around her. What? <laughs> you mean in movies they don't get away with it? <laughs> but I loved their little, like, graffiti off. Yes, that was very sweet. Um, And honestly, it was very flirty. when Aster eventually turned it into actual art, I was like, this is not bad. This is nice. And I also liked a lot of when Ellie like really signed at first Ellie's very resistant and Paul is like I want to just take her out I want to just take her out and Ellie keeps trying to kind of hold him off and then eventually as they start to become friends she's like you know what we're gonna do this and she starts to like teach him philosophy and I was like at one point he was saying some things and I was like oh my god she successfully good place Eliza Doolittled him 
he knew some stuff. <laughs> um, but when they were like stalking her, it kind of reminded me of 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah. And I was like, montage. how is it helping to watch her buy toothpaste? What insight is this giving you into her character? But I loved when they like pop in on hit on her horrible boyfriend and they don't know who's good cop and who's bad cop. And Paul just has that like enormous smile on. He's like, I'm a good cop. You can tell from my smile. And you're like, oh, no. But I like when they play ping pong downstairs. Is it downstairs? I don't know. I like when they play ping pong, I think maybe in her house and she's teaching him essentially how to have a conversation and he starts trying to ask her about herself and it's the first time that she sort of opens up and she's like, why are you asking me about myself basically? And he's like, just seems like a really short conversation. Yes. Aside from that, I really enjoyed that whole hot spring situation. I really liked the beginning of Aster and Ellie's letter writing situation, like the graffiti and everything, because I was definitely like, oh, girl's got some game, like, you know, Um, and she's going to do so well in college. Yes. I loved when Paul and Ellie's dad were making sausage together. Yes. I thought that was very sweet. And just like Paul's whole thing, like bringing sausage over for him and things like that was very They cute. were making, were they making dumplings? Or were they making sausage? I don't know what they were doing. It's hard to tell because you would you would mix it, you yeah, know, like either way. So, um, but yeah, they were cooking together. I thought that was really really lovely. Um, the a sequence I really liked is when Paul actually gets them both to try his taco sausage, and they both really like it. Buddy, I'm so happy for him. I hope he makes it big with his taco sausage. You know what? I think he could. Yeah, it looked good. The sausage looked nice, so I was like, all right, yeah. What was the thing with the Yakult? Was she stealing a bunch of Yakult from the freezer in the gym? Yes, with the from the vending machine. So I think she was paying for it. But she, um, because remember at some point he tells her about the Yakult machine and she's like, oh, the nearest Asian grocery store is like three hours away. I was confused. I was like, is the coach supplying these? Where is she getting it from? I thought she was like raiding the locker I mean, room. she was. He basically says like at some point because he's drinking one and she's like, how did you get this? Like he's like, oh, the coach really loves it and like basically got them to put a machine in. Oh, um, I thought he was saying that the coach thought it was like good for them protein wise or something. Yeah. Your cult is really having a moment. <laughs> I know. I think that's all of my faves. I mean, you mentioned the dad stuff, which was so big, but I think I didn't list it because I had already talked about crying at it. Yes. Yeah, but overall, I really enjoyed the movie. Oh, Ellie gives her a pretty good kiss at the end. I know. That's what I was saying. Like, it was slightly more rom-com than I even expected because we got that one kiss. Yeah. And Astra didn't, like, hate it. Like, she doesn't seem to feel sexually harassed, which was key to me. Yes. I was like, it's important. I was like, is it, are we going to get like some really uncomfortable thing where she's not happy about it, but she seems cool. I gotta say, so I hate to introduce this, but there is like a, a section of lesbian Twitter that thinks that is claimed that this movie is queer baiting because they don't like run off into the sunset together. Oh, sure. Well, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I would like to you. be clear. <laughs> this movie is not queer baiting. Well, thank you to the internet for bringing me down. Sorry. <laughs> but overall, the, re the reception to this film has been very positive, you know. I think That's good. Many people have really loved it. Um, so I, th I think it's a very small group. But of course, I was like, what the fuck? Whenever anything queer or Asian or remotely off the mainstream comes out, I'm always like, do well. Please do well. Um, were there people of color besides her and her dad and me? 
maybe Aster. I think Aster and Aster's dad also count. Okay. Um, but in Squamish, at least. Yes. But were there any, like, black side characters or other Asian? Uh, she's definitely, like, the only Asian. I feel like that's a whole thing. Yes, but there aren't any, um, well, there aren't that many characters in the film in general. So I can't really say, like, there there's no, like, significant, like, like black characters or anything like that. There may have been a few extras. I think because I was actually so focused on the story, I didn't count extras. <laughs> yeah. Which is something I usually try to do. Um, but what would you give this? What score? You know, I don't know because it's not that rom com but it was a good movie. Like, I was a little like, eight? eight? Yeah, I think I would give it an eight. I, I, eight and a half, maybe. Sure. Eight and a half out of ten taco sausages. Eight and a half out of ten suspicious letters. Eight and a half out of ten glasses that should have fogged up in the hot springs. Yes, I think that's the most important thing we should stop. Um, so before we finish up our episode today, um, we're actually for our next movie hosting a Netflix party and you get to pick the movie out of the three options we've already chosen for you. So, you know, kind of, it's a collaborative process, um, <laughs> but we're going to be posting the, uh, the poll, uh, on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, so please vote. We're going to watch the movie next Monday, which is what's the date? The 11th. The 11th at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And please join us. We will send out a link uh, when it comes time for it. And yeah, we hope you'll watch with us. And thank you so much for listening to Ramakamathon. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And we hope you're having a great quarantine. Don't go outside. All right. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.